Thrill Me. This show is part of the Thrill Me Podcast Network. Experience more on Facebook and YouTube. It's time for the Mr. Wonderful Show. Here's your host, Mr. Wonderful. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Mr. Wonderful Show. I am your host, Mr. Wonderful. And uh, there is a big show this week. Big, huge, ginormous show this week. Lots of entertainment news to get to. Adam's Family News. Some cool stuff broke with that. Supernatural News. Sandra Bullock still talking about a regret she has from long ago in the day that I think you won't be too surprised when I bring it up. Evil Dead. Evil Dead Rise. We got an update on that. Ewan McGregor is just like you and me. The Oscars are this weekend as well, so I have now begun my dive into some Oscars stuff. Uh, have a review of West Side Story coming for you a little bit later on. Plus, going to have a reaction to the A24 new movie uh, film trailer that came out for men. Uh, also got to watch the movie Home Team. If you don't know what that is, it's the hysterical film about Bounty Gate that Adam Sandler's Happy Madison Productions did in which Kevin James, not Kevin Smith, Kevin James, the King of Queens, uh, starred as Sean Payton, football coach of the New Orleans Saints the year he was not allowed to coach in the NFL. For Bounty Gate. We'll talk about that. Hysterical comedy of a situation. But before we get into everything, a little bit of house cleaning. Uh, just want to remind you that wherever you are listening to this show, please give it a little like, give it a rate, give it a review, and share it with your friends. Also, want to remind you that you want to check out the Facebook page, Throw Me Podcast Network. That is where you will get updated on this show, a part of the Throw Me Podcast Network, but also will be able to uh, get the links to all things going on, the review at Rob show, Zach Speakeasy, and of course, now that Haunt Season is back, a new season of Haunters Podcast with myself, Zach, and Brooke, where we dive into Halloween Horror Nights. The first episode dropped this weekend. Very excited that it is back, and it is definitely one to check out. There was a March Madness bracket that was done on the Haunters Pod Instagram page, where you, uh, a lot of you that listen to this show, uh, if you're not listening to Haunter's Podcast or like that, go like that stuff as well, uh, but where you help determine uh, the bracket winner for Halloween Horror Nights, uh, we dive into that winner and the bracket, kind of some surprises out there, but also we get into the first speculation map of the year. There is also uh, another way to follow through on me podcast which is through the YouTube page. You go to the YouTube page as well. You can uh, give us a follow there. And of course, there is now TikTok. Throw Me Podcast Network on TikTok. You want to go give that a follow. So if you're on TikTok, we're there. We're there. Listen, we speak to all different generations. We on the Facebook, we on the YouTubes, we on the TikTok. You just don't find us on the Twitter sphere. That's right, daddy. So time to get into it now. Uh, there is a lot, like I said, of news to get into. And I want to start with the Adams Family news that broke, which is Christina Ricci returning to her roots. She will be in the Netflix series Wednesday that Tim Burton is making. Now, to be clear, she will not be playing an older version of Wednesday. They did say she has a major role, but they are keeping it a surprise. Jenna Ortega, who was in the really, uh, really good, you can go and check out my non-spoiler review of it, Scream film 
that came out this past year. She's also in the movie X, which review it. Rob got a chance to see and he reviewed it on his show. So definitely want to go check out his review on that. Uh, I will just say review it. Rob, not somebody that likes a 24 stuff. You definitely want to hear his thoughts on the movie X. I, fingers crossed, said it last week, was hoping to get you one this week, but uh, I happened to run an 8K over this weekend, so didn't exactly have time with an 8K and then going to watch my brother run a half marathon and then cheering on marathon run. It was a long weekend of marathon running, becoming that couple all of a sudden where now we go and do the runs. Not the mimosa family anymore, we the run family. To the point where I actually am thinking about signing up for the LA Marathon. Whole reason behind that. Maybe I'll dive into that. If if I hit sign up for that, I will do a whole episode on why I would be running the LA Marathon. Uh, but review it, Rob. He got a chance to see it. I hopefully will get a chance to see it next week. Uh, the lady is on some time off. She gets a she gets some days. You see, she on a bit of a spring break. So hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll get a chance to go see that. Uh, but Christina Ricci is back. So Jenna Ortega will be playing Wednesday in this Wednesday movie on Netflix. Uh, Wednesday will be attending Nevermore Academy. That's where Ortega is going to play the teenage version of her. Catherine Zeta-Jones is playing Morticia in this series. Luis Guzman is Gomez. Uh, now, I'd imagine that if this is set at an academy and, you know, it's going to be all about Jenna Ortega as Wednesday at this school that Christina Ricci probably would be playing a faculty member at the academy, somebody like that. But I think it would be kind of cool as well to maybe find a way for her to be an Adam. You know, there's there's got to be a way to to mix it up, uh, bring her in, maybe make her, you know, hell, you could even make her like, you know, a love interest to somebody in the family like like uh, Fester or something like that. That that not to completely rip off the movie plots and stuff, but you know, there's just you know that's a little way to do it. But I do I would as a gambling man, I would bet that Christina Ricci is going to be playing somebody at that academy, and it will be a huge role and not just a quick one off cameo like she's in it for five minutes or something and gone. It would be a recurring role. Uh, she is heading over to Romania to film uh, and filming supposed to wrap up at the end of the month. So I guess we'll have to stay tuned uh, and figure out what happens with that. But very excited to see her come back. I got a chance to meet her at Awesome Con, talk to her, embarrassed myself a little bit. And uh, that was fun. But yeah, love to see uh, actors get a chance to come back to IP that they've been a part of, things like that. Like I know Daniel Radcliffe's kind of shot down the returning stuff to the Harry Potter and all that, but he did leave the door open of, yeah, I would return if something came along, like they did the Cursed Child or something like that, that he would be willing to pick back up his wand. Uh, and I love that, you know. Christina Ricci's big break, I would say, is Adam's family, and that launched her right into childhood stardom, which is then transitioned into her going off and having success as an adult actress as well. We'll leave Speed Racer out of this, but she's had a very successful career. So love the fact that she's coming back to the Adams Family world. Uh, now, speaking of worlds that we will be returning to, it appears the CW Supernatural prequel series 
uh, is moving forward, has found its leads. It will be Meg Donnelly and Drake Roger uh, taking on the roles of Mary and John Winchester in The Winchesters. That is the prequel name. Uh, This is being produced by Jensen Ackles, who played um, Dean on the show. Uh, This is all about how the future parents of Sam and Dean got to hunting and doing their thing. Uh, Jensen, of course, you know, there was a big blowout when this was first announced as a possible thing because I guess Jensen didn't talk with uh, Jared Padalecki, who played Sam on the show, but they got their stuff figured out. Uh, Now, this story is supposed to be told from Dean's perspective, which is why Jensel is much more hands-on with this, along with his wife. Uh, But the Winchesters, they say, is going to follow the epic untold love story of how John met Mary, how they put it all on the line to not only save their love, but the entire world. Uh, Mary is a 19-year-old who's been fighting the forces of darkness for most of her life. After losing someone close to her, she considers quitting the family business until her father's disappearance and the arrival of newcomer John Winchester forces her to lead a new team. They've kind of in the show done the flashback stuff, all of that, which has me a little bit excited for this because they also talk about how um, John, who recently returns from Vietnam, which played big in the in supernatural story and all that. Uh, but it, it it's going to lead into how he became a part of a secret organization. I won't spoil it for any of you, but that played into the main show. So the lore stuff is all going to be dove into. And I like that. I will say though, I am surprised it's gotten this far and I would be surprised to ever see this show actually come to be because This is the third try by the CW at a Supernatural spinoff. They tried it with Bloodlines in 2014 and then in 2017 with the Wayward Sisters. Neither one of those went forward. They all got close. I mean, the Wayward Sisters, if you watched the show, you you already knew who that cast was. And they said, they're all going to be there. It's going to be this thing and it's going to be great. And it never happened. Uh, Bloodlines, I kind of vaguely remember that. I feel like that was announced and they were like, and we're going to get this actor and this actor. And then it was just, no, we're actually not doing that. Uh, So yeah, I'm fingers crossed. This is a thing. Now the CW did order a pilot in early February, uh, along with a Walker prequel, which is going to be executive produced by none other than Jared Padalecki who happens to play Walker now on Walker. So it looks like both of them got their thing going on. The CW, like, I guess with with with, with Sam and Dean attached, yeah, I called them Sam and Dean. Don't, don't come at me. Um, with them attached to those shows, to those prequels, uh, they probably will go forward. But I also wonder, like, while I'm excited for the Winchesters and stuff like that, how how much is it really going to hold me? It's, it's. I don't know if there really is a true hardcore desire to f- to follow John and, and and Mary's romance, especially with the fact that you had Jeffrey Dean Morgan, like you had gr- you had great actors on the show already, uh, portraying their parents, and and you did a bit of the flashback stuff. They 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 went back in time at one point. I mean, their mom died in the, in the first episode and then came back in like season 13 or whatever and then or, or season 10, 
finale, whatever it was, and then was around for a while and all that good stuff. People die, people come, people go, whatever. They've done like so. We've done prequel stuff before. You know, there's a crowd out there that wants supernatural stuff, but it seems like anytime they try spinoffs or prequels, it it doesn't go very far. So. Uh, I am curious by this. I'll tune in, but will it hold me? Is this the type of show that's going to run for 15, 16 seasons the way Supernatural did? I don't know. But, hey, if they can squeeze three to four good seasons out and wrap up a show, then then let's go for it. Let's do a little prequel here. Uh, let's, let, let's bring on the Winchesters. Now, as far as the Walker prequel goes, that, that's, that's like Yellowstone. It's... You have that audience. That audience is built in. They're going to tune into whatever you do. Uh, so, yeah. Um, also, with the Winchesters, they are bringing in a supernatural veteran, Robbie Thompson, as a, as a writer uh, and a producer. So, they're keeping it. Again, they're, they're really trying. They're really trying. And uh, best of luck to them. Now, somebody who won't be returning to that stuff uh, and the Winchesters and all of that uh, is Misha Collins because... Well, Misha now has found something he's up to. He is going to be playing Harvey Dent in the CW's Gotham Knights. Yeah, Misha Collins, who played Castile on Supernatural, uh, is going to be playing Harvey Dent. So he has signed on to the CW's Gotham Knights pilot. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter broke this story and talked about how the pilot Gotham Knights is going to be set in a Gotham City reeling from the murder of Bruce Wayne. His rebellious adopted son forms an alliance with the children of Batman's enemies when they're all framed for killing the the Cape Crusader. With Gotham as dangerous as it's ever been, the group of fugitives could be the city's next saviors. Uh, Harvey Dent, of course, Gotham City's DA, eventually going to become Two-Face. The character has been played by Billy D. Williams, Really wish we got to see him as Two-Face, but we did get to see Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face and Aaron Eckhart. Uh, plus, they did uh, they did bring Two-Face back on, on Gotham. I never made it that far on Gotham. I really wish I did because I really enjoyed Gotham, which went into the whole Court of Owls and stuff like that, and really dug what they did over there with early day Bruce Wayne and just focusing in on uh, Jim Gordon and, and his battle against... Uh, these rising year one, year zero of all the Dark Knight villains appearing in Gotham City uh, just happened to be a time where as I started the move, I missed a few episodes and then I ended up like two and a half seasons behind and no, it's on Netflix, but still haven't still haven't figured it out yet. Still haven't figured out time to go watch that. Just watching so much new stuff. But Gotham Knights uh Going to be coming to the CW, and uh, good for Misha. I'm, I'm excited to check that out. Uh, that seems like that would be pretty cool as well. Uh, I like that concept, the idea that Bruce Wayne is dead. Uh, but yeah, I, I like seeing the supernatural guys uh, and gals uh, go off and do things and get work. They deserve it. That show was awesome. And now that they're done with that show after how many seasons they were on it, listen, I watched every freaking episode of that show and multiple times and I don't even remember 16 years whatever it was uh Evil Dead Rise is officially rated R this news uh reported over on well I at least saw it on Bloody Disgusting but yes uh if you've forgotten Evil Dead Rise one of my most anticipated movies of the year I had that conversation with Zach back at the beginning of the year you can catch that episode uh back from January 
But Evil Dead Rise, one of my most anticipated films. Uh, this one comes from New Line Cinema. They say it's going to be rated R for strong, bloody, horror, violence, and gore, and some language. Uh, yeah, sign me up. It's going to be coming to HBO Max sometime this year. Still no date has been announced. Uh, that said, with the rating in hand, doesn't seem like it's going to be much longer now. Uh, by the time it's released this year, Evil Dead Rise will be the franchise's first movie in just under 10 years, uh, following in the wake of Fetty Alvarez's 2013 Evil Dead and, of course, that star series that I mwah, absolutely love, Ash vs. Evil Dead, that gave Bruce Campbell a chance to come back into the mix as Ashy Slashy. Uh, now, the synopsis for the upcoming Evil Dead Rise and the fifth Evil Dead film, A Road Weary Beth, pays an overdue visit to her older sister, Ellie, who's raising three kids on her own in a cramped L.A. apartment. The sister's reunion cut short by the discovery of a mysterious book deep in the bowels of Ellie's building, giving rise to flesh-possessing demons and thrusting Beth, Beth into a primal battle for survival as she is faced with the most nightmarish vision of motherhood imaginable. Uh, Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell producing on this as well. So uh, you got them there. They, they did that with the Fetty Alvarez one. And I am all in on this, knowing that it's not toning it down, that they're going to be leaning into the violence and the gore just makes me more excited that we are getting an Evil Dead movie at some point this year. And yeah, you know, I know, I know, listen, I've had conversations with people. We've had it before on Zach Speakeasy when we did the big Thrill Me special. Uh, the idea that films coming directly to home video these days or direct to streaming, stuff like that, are they any good? Is there any faith, like having no faith in them? I, on the other hand, just believe that Hey, you know, this is this has been nothing more than a move of we need subscribers on HBO Max. We need content. And since we have this property, let's go for it. Yeah, I wish this movie was getting a theatrical release, but I'm just excited to be getting an Evil Dead film this year that I'm not worried if this is going to be a good or bad movie. I'm just totally into the fact that here comes an Evil Dead film and let's go, baby. Let's go. I just need a chainsaw. That's really... I, cut off the hand. Give me a chainsaw hand. That's all I need at some point. All right. Uh, Ewan McGregor says he's just like you and me. He uh, recently sat down and had a conversation about the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney+. Plus. He was talking with Entertainment Weekly. And he admitted that when he is walking up to an automatic door, he does the little force hand wave in front of the automatic door to make it open. He talked about how it's just so much fun. He does it for his own personal amusement, laughs, but he's admitted he's been caught sometimes and that can be kind of embarrassing, which I say BS. I've been caught many a times doing it. I'm never embarrassed. I just kind of smile and I'm like, yeah, the force is strong with me. I just opened that door. Can you do that with your hand? Nope. Uh, but yeah, Obi-Wan Kenobi going to be coming out May 25th. Uh, just, I mean, it's, it's cool to know that Obi-Wan, the guy that actually played Obi-Wan Kenobi is literally doing the Jedi little hand force wave. It's just so cool to know that. Like it makes me, it makes me feel good that I do that. And I even do it. Like, I don't just do it with the automatic door. There's uh, if, if 
Planet Fitness, if the gym, uh, the gym locker rooms, if if nobody goes in there too long, it's on the the light system. So I do it in those rooms as well. So I love turning the corner in Planet Fitness into the into the locker room and seeing that it's dark because I'll step in there and just wave my hand like I'm Obi-Wan and then the lights come on and I'm like, that's right. I made the lights. Come on, baby. So you and McGregor, Obi-Wan Kenobi does the same thing you and I do when we enter JCPenney. All right. Sandra Bullock says she is still haunted by one of her films. She wishes she never had done it. And this is when she was out doing an interview. She was actually alongside Daniel Radcliffe for this interview. It was with Two Fab. And they're hyping up the Lost City. They got asked, any film you ever did that you were initially embarrassed to do but have come around to do? To which Radcliffe was like, no, I'm, I don't got one. And Sandra Bullock, no hesitation, was like, I have one that no one came around to and still embarrassed I was in. It's called... Speed 2. And it shouldn't be surprising. She has been vocal about this before, uh, but she talked about how it just makes no sense. Slow boat, slowly going towards an island. Um, and yeah, I I feel for her. This is one of those ones that, I, I mean, Daniel Radcliffe, for the, best of, for the best of the interview, tried so hard to be like, well, I, I think it has a cult love. And she was like, yeah, very quite literally like five people cult love of this film. Um, yeah, that's that was a movie that I still remember seeing in theaters. I remember we going to see that with my parents. We we love Speed. We love Sandra Bullock, but we, we really loved Speed. So it was like, yeah, Speed 2. I was like, yeah, Jason Patrick. Cool. One of the Lost Boys is in this movie. All right, let's go. I know Keanu ain't here, but we went from Keanu to a Lost Boy. That's I'm I'm totally cool with going from Bill and Ted to the Lost Boys. Like, let's two movies I love, man, from the '80s. Got the stars of those movies in a speed movie. Let's go. Here we go. All right. Plus William Dafoe playing a villain. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, this movie was bad, and I remember how bad this movie was. And I don't think I've ever rewatched Speed Two. I I really think it's one of those movies that I saw it once and never again. Like, even when it came on HBO again, like, it was like, no, nah, I'm good. Uh, I don't need to watch Cruise Control. I just, this just makes me want to watch the original one because the original one is, is really good. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> Sandra Bullock still embarrassed by the fact that she was in Speed 2. And um, I feel for you, Sandy. I feel for you. But don't worry, I'll be seeing your movie, Sandra Bullock, tomorrow on Thursday. When The, the first screening, actually. The four o'clock screening. Yeah. Uh, we all know Ben Stiller. He can do comedy. Pretty damn good. But what about horror? He's getting the chance to showcase that on the stage. Uh, ben Stiller is going to play Jack Torrance in a theater production of The Shining. It'll open next January in London. Um... And it's a play that you're still going to be watching 20 days after you went to see it. Uh, but no, seriously, that's cool. I I argue a lot that comedic actors have so much more range than they're giving credit for. Uh, there's just this stigma to you do comedy. That's that's one note where I'm like, comedy is is you have to hit 
every emotion. And so comedic actors are capable of, in my opinion, taking on some dramatic roles. Plus, I know it's a crazy comparison, but you saw Ben Stiller be able to pull off the what Jack Torrance stuff, uh, you know, that somebody that has a has a calming presence to them, but underneath is very unstable and you're watching that unstableness come out. You saw it in that Friends episode that he was in where he was like Tommy or something like that. I, I know a one the Friends fans are probably either like you got it or I'm getting yelled at right now. But in that episode, you you see he's he's that nice like, oh, yeah, nice. You know, but there's always a, a rumbling underneath him until it finally erupts. I think he's going to do a pretty good job with this. And now it also makes me wish that I lived in London because I would love to see Ben Stiller play Jack Torrance on stage. Listen, I'm more excited for Ben Stiller to play Jack Torrance than I am Pamela Anderson to play Roxy in Chicago. And that's New York City Broadway. Like, come on. Come on. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying. Um, the Oscars are this weekend, and uh, I'll quickly hit this one before I get into uh, my reviews. But there is the Oscar gift bag that goes out every year. Now, uh, this is not an actual official Academy Oscar goodie bag that they give out. They stopped that in 2006 because the expensive gifts put an extra tax burden on recipients. But a company called Distinctive Assets has nothing to do with the Oscars, but they took this over unofficially uh, because they give everyone wins. Uh, the gift bags this year to 25 of the top acting and directing nominees. Uh, this year's bag, they say, is worth six figures, whatever that means. I'm not rich, so I don't know what six figures is. Uh, but some of the gifts in this bag, just to let you know what it is, you can get Art Lipo body enhancements. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, gold flaked olive oil from Aridi. Oh, because that's what I need when I'm making my pasta. Gold flaked olive oil. Also, also, facial rejuvenation procedures from a doctor whose name I cannot pronounce and not even going to take an attempt at. But yeah, facial rejuvenation procedures. Also, this is where I think it gets a little crazy. If that wasn't already crazy enough, because I'm only giving you five of the things on this list because these are the five craziest in my eyes, but the top two that really take the cake, you get an all-inclusive stay at Turin Castle in Scotland. Oh, yes. Scotland. That's, that's, you get to stay in a castle. All-inclusive. That's what Steven Spielberg needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Also, Plots of land in Scotland from a company called Highland Titles, which is now going to make all the recipients actual lords and ladies of Glencoe. So the 25 top acting and directing nominees are now lords and ladies of Glencoe after this year's Oscars bag. Man, to be in Hollywood and get nominated for an Academy Award. Am I right? I'll never know what that's like. All right, so A24 dropped a new trailer. Uh, I want to quickly hit on this. It is called Men. This comes from Ex Machina director 
and uh, Alex Garland. He also did Annihilation. I was a huge fan of both of those films. So I'm pretty interested in this. It, it looks like a weird shape-shifting horror movie. Um, the synopsis of this, in the aftermath of a personal tragedy, Harper retreats alone to the beautiful English countryside, hoping to have found a place to heal, but someone or something from the surrounding woods appears to be stalking her. What begins as simmering dread becomes a fully formed nightmare inhabited by her darkest memories and fears in Alex Garland's uh, new film. So, yeah, uh, the trailer looked really good. Uh, I I can't lie. It looks very mind-bending, very on par for, for what Ex Machina and Annihilation were like, where... It's going to take a while. It's going to be this slow burn, but it's going to be really interesting the entire way. It looks looks visionary as well. Uh, wow, that sounded so pretentious and asshole on my part. I apologize, but it does. It, it looks very interesting for, for an upcoming scary movie. Now, I will say this because I think uh, I mentioned Rob has a bit of an issue with A24, uh, I think a lot of people don't like A24 because I think it comes to the way that they sell their films. I remember going to see The Witch. Uh, and yes, I say it with the two Vs because that's how it was spelt and that's how it used to be spelt with the Vs, not Ws. But uh, I remember going to see that one. And I remember the way that it was sold to us. And then I remember the movie that I actually saw and how completely different they were. But I embraced the movie I was watching and not the movie I thought I was getting from the trailer. And by embracing the movie I was watching, I had a great time. But the couple that decided they needed to sit in the front row, five seats over from me while bringing in their Wawa sandwiches, yeah, that was an experience when it was an empty theater as well. The only other person in the theater was sitting in the last row of the theater. So, of course, they had to pick my row and sit close to me. You had only like, 10 other rows between me and the only other person in the theater, but sure, take my row. Sit five seats away from me. Why not? Uh, And then eat your damn Wawa subs where you got to uncrackle it. And mind you, they came in when the movie had just begun, so of course they're uncrackling it in the beginning. Uh, mm, So effing annoying. (laughs) How do you get on Wonderful's S list? Do that. (laughs) Do that. Uh, But... At the end of the movie, they were like, that's the film? That's not what we paid to see. And it was like, yeah, that tends to be A24's move. They sell you one thing, but then you go in and you get something totally different. Uh, I kind of, in a a way, expecting that when I go see X as well, that yes, they're selling me this, but I expect something slightly different as well. Uh, And that's my fear for this, is that this is not going to appear at... What they're selling us isn't going to be correct, and people are going to get really mad at this when it comes out, but I'm interested. I think this looked really cool, and um, yeah, men, I guess I will be checking that out when it hits theaters. Uh, Just going to have to check with the lady and see if she wants to go, because I can't go see a movie without her. That would be bad. Uh, All right, let's get into some reviews. I... Want to start with the bad before I get into the good. And the bad is we will start with the movie Home Team, which is on Netflix. Now, this is a movie that stars Kevin James as head coach Sean Payton. 
And it was the story of Sean Payton, uh, the year he was suspended by the NFL for Bounty Gate. Now, Bounty Gate was when the New Orleans Saints football team got caught paying uh, their defensive players to injure people. So this tells the story of Sean Payton, who was head coach of the Saints at the time, being suspended by the league, then going home and coaching his 12-year-old son's football team during that year's suspension from the NFL. This could have been a really good film. And I know many of you listening know how much I love Adam Sandler. I defend Happy Madison stuff. But this film is 100% bogged down by the fact that it is a Happy Madison production because nothing about the Bounty Gate story is funny. It's not. So the idea of turning what was a serious scandal in the NFL into a comedy about, oh, Sean Payton went home and coached his 12-year-old son's football team and yada, yada, yada. It's a laugher. Mm. Is it? Because there was, you know, I'll, I'll always say this, this film did have the heart that Happy Madison productions always have. So you would think a story about a father trying to reconnect with his son would be good. But here's the thing. That's my boy did it better with a father reconnecting with his son. That's my boy did the heart and the family aspect better. And that's a film that ends up taking a weird turn in the third act. A weird turn that I still get to this day. How could you like this movie? Like, it not only offends this way, but then it takes a turn into more offensive, which who could think that was possible with a movie where the main concept is the kid hooked up with his teacher and had a kid, but somehow it takes a turn into more offensive, and that's why I like it. This tries to play like the Mighty Ducks, tries to play like all those kind of family-friendly ones. But again, it's just weird that the concept behind this is this coach was suspended for players on his team trying to injure other players and we're turning it into a comedy. Uh, but again, a little bit of that heart is there. It's there. It, it's not done well. But it is there. There's an attempt. Happy Madison always always makes it about family and always tries to tie it. Like even Jack, even Jack and Jill tried that. This is at least better than Jack and Jill. But this is one of the lesser productions. Uh, there's there's one line that really made me laugh, but it came just one of those where, oh, I didn't expect that to be a thing. And that ended up having a punchline to it, which, okay. Uh, and it's, it's just a running gag with the kid can't kick because he's distracted by a girl in the stands that he likes. And towards the end, she's there. She blows him a kiss and then... There's just a line said by somebody that was like, I that weirdly connected that and wasn't ready for it. And okay, kudos to you on that. But the rest of the film was pretty lackluster in the comedy, in the funny. Uh, and again, just a really lazy performance uh, from the Happy Madison team. Even Kevin James seemed like he was lazy in this, more like he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm Sean Payton. I'm Sean Payton. I'm Sean Payton. Like, just even his presence in the film felt very lazy. Uh, so yeah, I do not recommend Home Team on Netflix. I know it's there. You might be intrigued to give it a try, but you also would 
do okay if you happen to skip that film and just move on and maybe watch the next movie I'm about to talk about, which is the Academy Award-nominated film West Side Story, which came out uh, back in December of this past year. Listen, I don't need to give you the synopsis of West Side Story. I don't really need to tell you much about it. Uh, You know this story. It's Romeo and Juliet. It's uh, a tragic love story, but this is obviously set in New York City, not in Shakespearean times and stuff like that. But it is very much that story with forbidden love, uh, tragedy, and I think for a film that has already existed, for Steven Spielberg coming along in this point of his career and saying, I want to make a musical, and it's a musical we know and love. Uh, It's a story that many people feel should not be touched from the original movie that came out. And we're okay. We don't need a new one of these. Steven Spielberg proved, again, that he is still Steven Spielberg. And while I know I said in the past that Steven Spielberg is not the Spielberg of the 70s and 80s that we know, uh, even that of the the 90s and 2000s and hasn't had a hit like that. He still has always been Steven Spielberg. Even Bridge of Lies, uh, I believe it was Bridge of Lies, yeah, the one with Tom Hanks. All the stuff he's been doing, the newspaper one he did uh, a couple a uh, couple years back, all the stuff he's been doing even since uh, the stank of Indiana Jones 4 in my mouth, which uh, Harrison Ford podcast, for those of you who are interested, might be back. No, I joke, I kid. That is a deep cut for some of you. Uh, But this was another example of Steven Spielberg will always be a visionary director. Will always find a way to, even with a story we know in West Side Story, find a way to make it, uh, bring it into the 21st century. Because I thought this was a beautiful film. I thought Spielberg added some wonderful touches to it. It was sprawling. It was cinematic. It was uh, just a lot of what I wasn't expecting from a remake of West Side Story, a remake of Romeo and Juliet, a remake of all of that that we see with with turf wars and, and two sides that hate each other and then a forbidden love that comes from the two sides that ends up leading to uh, a crisis of identity by the end with with loss and that loss leading us to realize that the hate we feel towards others is just unwarranted and unnecessary. Uh, just a kudos all around. Uh, the, Spielberg gets the most out of his cast, as he always does. Uh, there is a shot in this movie that just cinematography-wise is... The dance sequence, the the lead into the gym with the dance sequence gave me like good fellas with the with the steady cam, but then just ends up becoming this spectacle of a shot to where watching this movie, I, I was very annoyed at the fact that it took Steven Spielberg into his 70s to say, yeah, I want to direct a musical because we need more Steven Spielberg musicals. We need his vision and his ideas and, and the way he sees things for more musicals because uh, just the way he presented it, it made me remember why musicals uh, can be so uh, in- amazing and impressive. And that's what this film was. Now, do I think that this is a film that's going to win the Academy Award? No. Do I think this is going to win him a Best Director? No. Do I think it could win 
other awards? Yes. Uh, absolutely can. But yeah, West Side Story, uh, just a wonderful reboot uh, of a film that I-, I was excited for this movie to come out. I was mad I didn't get a chance to go see it when it, when it originally came out, out uh, that I waited so long to see this one. But I am happy I got to see this. It, it very much exceeded a lot of my expectations. There there were things done with this that I did not think. Uh, we, we I just didn't think it was necessary for this. I know it was Steven Spielberg, and it was like, all right, yeah, I'm 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 ready for it. But there was also that, why? Why, Steven? Why is this your choice? Why not do an original? Why not do something else? Why not, you know... You just go do Indy 5. Come on. It's, it's there for you, but West Side Story is your passion project now. Uh, and I understand why now. I get it. And I really recommend checking out West Side Story if you have not seen West Side Story yet. Uh, and especially before the, this weekend with the, with the Academy Awards, because maybe you've seen some of the other films and you're like, yeah, okay. And then you watch West Side Story and you're like, no, oh, that's the one. That's the one. Even though it's, you know, seems like Power of the Dog might be the big film this year uh, at the Academies, but you never know. The Academy Awards always provide some shockers, and next week, I'm sure we'll be talking about some of those surprises, uh, or we'll be talking about how everything that kind of was expected to win won. Uh, also, I should have more reviews about those Academy Award-nominated films, uh, trying to run my way through all those, going to have a Lost City review for you next week. Uh, and fingers crossed as well, we'll get a chance to see X uh, before next week's show. Uh, a little bit longer than normal, but as I mentioned, there was a lot of news to get to in this week's episode. Uh, make sure you like Throw Me Podcast Network on Facebook, on YouTube, and on TikTok. Also check out the review at Rob's show. And tomorrow, spa- is SPACs? Who's SPAC? Uh, Zach's Speakeasy will be out. And new episodes of Haunter's podcast as well, dropping for all you fans of the spooky and the macabre. Uh, So yeah, go like all those shows, give them a follow, give them a subscription, and uh, talk to you next week. Peace and love.